uh, as you know, we're in a discipleship uh, explored series, so we're, we're responding to our sessions on a Wednesday night and asking questions based on that series. So in part one, last week, we asked the question, how can I be confident I'm a follower of Jesus? We concluded that our confidence is not in our own ability to demonstrate the marks of being a Christian, but we can be confident we are followers of Jesus because God, who began a good work in us, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. And today we're asking the question, how can I experience joy? How can I experience more joy? There are many things that people are living for, aren't there? What do you really live for? I'm just going to move this slightly. The big five obvious ones that we generally are obsessed with are prosperity, popularity, power, pleasure, and prestige. We think acquiring those things will make us happy, but do they really? Can they fill us with joy? To an extent, maybe they can. They can temporarily bring us happiness. That's why we pursue them in the first place, isn't it? As I'm sure you know, often when we get what we think we want, the high and happiness we experience eventually wears off. We can easily find ourselves caught in a cycle of needing more things, more money, more friends, more influence, more sex, more status. We need these things to fill the void inside. Let's think about Paul. Paul the prisoner. What is his context? As we learned from last time, the Apostle Paul was the author of the epistle to the Philippians. And he wrote the letter whilst he was under house arrest in Rome. The church at Philippi was a Roman colony in modern-day Greece and the first church in Europe that Paul had planted. And the surrounding culture was definitely obsessed with all things Roman. Imprisonment would cause most of us to become low, bitter, or even make us feel like we want to just give up. Not Paul. Paul was an opportunist, and he saw his incarceration as an opportunity to spread the good news about Jesus. Paul turned a bad situation into a good one, didn't he? He reached out to the whole Praetorian guard with the gospel. The Praetorian Guard were highly qualified Roman soldiers who were palace guards and who were bodyguards to Roman dignitaries. They were high-ranking. And Paul reached out to them. Many of them gave their lives to Christ. Amazing. Paul also used his circumstances to write letters of encouragement to the churches, especially when they faced persecution. We may not be in prison like Paul was, but discouragements can easily come at us on a daily basis, can't they? Financial burdens, job redundancies, conflicts with family or friends, 
mental ill health or physical ill health or lack of opportunities in our lives. There are so many things that seek to discourage us, aren't there, in life. How we act in such situations reveals what we believe, doesn't it? Where we place our hope reveals what we believe and who our source of joy is. Paul found ways to demonstrate his faith, even in awful circumstances. Paul had been arrested in Jerusalem, betrayed by his own kinsmen for preaching about Jesus. That must have hurt. That must have hurt. Being unfairly arrested. But being a Roman citizen, Paul actually appealed to Caesar to hear his case. And then he was escorted to Rome where he awaited trial. I don't know about you, but if I was on trial, awaiting, um, awaiting a sentence, awaiting a hearing, I'd be really anxious, wouldn't you? I'd be really anxious and afraid. But Paul knew God had placed him where he needed to be to be able to complete his assignment for God. In a similar way, wherever we have been placed, God wants us to serve him faithfully and joyfully, joyfully, exactly where we are in life now until our assignment changes and God moves us on. And Paul understood that. And that's why I think he was so content because he knew he was where God had placed him. Paul experienced the secret to joy. Paul's happiness was not dependent on something he could lose. He didn't put his trust in fragile things that could be lost at any moment. Paul found his deepest happiness, his deepest joy in Christ, because he knew that Christ was in control of everything. And that actually, through Christ, everything would work out in the end. Paul knew it's going to be all right in the end. For Paul, everything was an opportunity to, to deepen his relationship with God, to go deeper into God's love and advance the gospel. And that's why Paul can say with confidence, for to me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Strong words, strong words. Everything for Paul was for Jesus. And Jesus was the source of his joy that nothing could take away from him. Even death itself could not take it away. And actually, it would complete his joy because he would be united with his love, with his saviour, Jesus Christ. I want now to think about some foundations of joy for us. We all want to be happy, don't we? I think if you asked most people what they wanted from life, they'd say, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I think sometimes in church there has been an unrealistic idea that we must be happy all the time. I must feel and look happy, and then if I'm not, 
If I'm not, something's wrong and perhaps I have to pretend that everything's okay. We fall victim to that mindset, I think, in church sometimes. Do you find it easier to be happy when life is going well? I do. Or are you only happy when things are going your way? If that's the case, the bad news is that you'll be unhappy most of the time. That's the bad news. Things are going to go wrong in life. We can't put our, our hope in our happiness. How do we remain positive in such a negative world? This is where we need deep joy. Deep, deep joy. And not a happiness that is fleeting and entirely dependent on happenings. At the Congregational Assembly yesterday, the previous president, Reverend Suzanne Knuckles, spoke about joy. And she asked the question, what brings you joy? What brings you joy? And I want to say, as long as it's good, do that. Do what brings you joy. Do what brings you alive in Christ. Do it. Life is short. Do what brings you joy in Christ. But now I want to think more about biblical joy. Biblical joy. There is a difference between joy and happiness. I love being happy, don't you? Yeah, I love to be happy. But it seems to me that happiness is changeable and easily affected by circumstances. Biblical joy seems different though, because as we see with Paul's life, it seems to be more of a choice that he makes and an attitude that he holds. Later in Philippians, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, or put another way, be joyful in the Lord always. I will say it again, he says, rejoice, rejoice. According to Paul, being joyful is a choice. And despite his circumstances, Paul was joyful. Doesn't it sound counterintuitive to think we can know joy even in our suffering. I don't know about you, but in hard times, I've always felt that, all right, I'm going through this, therefore I've got to be miserable now. Well, that's not the reality of living in Christ. Actually, despite suffering, I can be joyful because God loves me. He loves me. And I want his love to fill my heart. And that will produce joy. God's love will produce joy in our lives. Open your heart and let him in. Let more of him in. Paul implies that our joy is not something that is dependent uh, on what happens to us. Okay, but how we respond to what happens to us. Yeah, and we need the Holy Spirit, don't we? 
We need the Holy Spirit. We're reliant on the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I can't muster joy. I can't create it. I'm a bit miserable a lot of the time. I can't build myself up into a frenzy of joy. I don't have that capacity. But God can fill us with joy. Okay, so the four foundations of joy. I always thought for a long time that joy was an extreme form of emotional happiness. But I'm beginning to see that biblical joy is built on a foundation, a foundation of hope, purposefulness, presence, and practice. Okay? A foundation of hope, purposefulness, presence, and practice. So let's think about foundation, the foundation of joy, hope. Firstly, the foundation of joy is hope. As Jesus' people, our joy is built on a foundation of hope. And we can actually be the most positive people in the world. We should be. Paul tells us in Romans that by faith we've been made acceptable to God. And now because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we live at peace with God. Christ who has also introduced us to God's undeserved kindness or grace on which we take our stand. So we are able to happily, joyfully be with him as we look forward to sharing the glory of God. But that's not all. We gladly suffer, he says, because we know that suffering helps us to endure. And endurance builds character, which gives us hope. In suffering, we can endure through the Holy Spirit. And that will produce character. And that will produce joy in our lives. I find that encouraging. There's purpose in our pain. Our faith brings joy. Rick Warren said, a person can live for 40 days without food. Three days without water, eight minutes without air, but not one single minute without hope. Not one single minute without hope. We all need hope to survive. Lots of people do have hope. But what happens when we're placing it in the things that are temporary? Our good job, our big salary, our exciting weekends our perfect family, our complete self-reliance, our relationships, our intellectual brilliance, or our physical prowess, or our appearance. What happens when those things are taken away? The list goes on and on. Fill in the blank for your own life. Where do you put your hope? And what would happen if those things were taken away? As followers of Jesus, we have every reason to rejoice because our hope is entirely in him. All he has done for us and all he will complete in our lives. Joy is impossible without hope. Now, um, on my next section, I've put a title in called Blonde Fluffy Hair. And... um, I just wanted to share a bit of testimony now. Um, So I used to have blonde, fluffy hair for a long time. 
And, um, and now I don't. I, I shave my head now. But for a long time, I struggled with uh, body dysmorphia. And it was serious. I felt I had such a distorted view of my appearance that there were times where I had no hope. And it's a real issue, and I don't think men always talk about it, but as a millennial, it's a big issue for men. It's an awful lot of pressure to look and dress and be a certain way. And when I realized I couldn't match up to those things, I became really depressed. And I haven't got time to go into it today, but I could probably write a book on it, perhaps entitled Body Dysmorphia and the Image of God. Maybe that's a, that would be a good thing to, to, to explore. But anyway, um, I placed my hope in, in what was failing, what was fading, what was perishing. And I became depressed and I lost hope. And I'll be honest with you, there have been times long ago when I wanted to die. I wanted to die because it just, it just overwhelmed me, just overwhelmed me. But when we put our hope in Christ, we, we have joy. It doesn't matter what I look like anymore because God loves me. It doesn't matter what other people think of me because God accepts me. He loves me. He put me in this body. Therefore, I should rejoice in it. He put me in this body. Therefore, I should rejoice in it. Yeah? Everything else we can lose, but we can never lose Christ. And he is our source of joy, who promises to be there always and forever. Always and forever. Foundation of joy number two purposefulness. Secondly, the, the, the second foundation for joy is purposefulness. We can rejoice because God has a purpose in every situation in our lives. As we've seen from Romans, Romans 5 verse 3, we can rejoice in our suffering, in our troubles, in our distress, because God can use those difficult times to strengthen who we are. And that's the purpose of suffering, to strengthen who we are and make us more like Christ. I believe that anyway. There is joy to experience when we overcome trial through perseverance and when our character is strengthened. There is joy. Have you ever thought, wouldn't it be good if I could just get rid of my problems? Wouldn't that be good? If only I could just click my fingers and my worries would disappear, vanish. Have you ever noticed, though, whenever one problem is resolved, it doesn't take long before another issue arises? It doesn't take long, does it? Biblical joy is learning to enjoy the precious life that God has given to you, despite your problems. Despite our problems, biblical joy is learning to appreciate the life we have. <clears throat> Paul does not advocate faking your joy. 
Don't fake it. Be who you are. Pretending everything all right when actually it's not, and you're falling apart because your life is a mess, is not what Paul advocates. But Paul does not advocate denying the realities of the hardships of human living. Paul was open and honest about his struggles, wasn't he? And the circumstances he faced. And so can we be. We can be honest about the struggles. But we have the capacity to experience joy in all circumstances because we have the Holy Spirit. We can cope with a lot more than we believe we could cope with because of the Holy Spirit. So we don't deny our hurt and our struggles, but also we don't embrace the martyr complex where we think the more we suffer, the more spiritual we are. That probably wouldn't produce joy, but pride. Suffering can produce fruit, and it has in my life. It's made me more understanding. It's meant to be about joy, isn't it? (laughs) The early church experienced fierce persecution. But the early church exploded in growth. The early church was like a fire that spread across the Middle East and beyond. Paul teaches us to rejoice in our sufferings. Not rejoice because of our sufferings, but we can rejoice in our sufferings when we can see that there is a purpose in it. And that God will use it for his glory. Even in negative situations, we can be positive because we know God is using it for his purpose. I didn't want to suffer with body dysmorphia. But God used it to show me that worrying about my appearance is futile. And my hope was misplaced. How free I feel today. I feel free. And Christ has saved me and healed me. And he set me free from that. Yeah. Our perspective makes all the difference in how we respond to things. Remember, last week we thought about Paul's encouragement to us that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. He's not finished with you. You can be confident in that. There is joy in knowing that we are included in God's plans. There is purposefulness in all that we face today. Suffering is a lot easier to endure and cope with when we know that God will fulfill his plans and purposes in our lives through it. God himself, Jesus, endured the most horrific of punishments ever devised by the human mind. And look what good it brought for you and for me. Forgiveness for our sins and friendship with God.
What if we saw our problems not as attempts uh, to destroy our joy, but actually problems to increase our hope and therefore increase our joy? Maybe we've experienced it or witnessed it in others, but when hard times come, sometimes we allow them to make us bitter, angry, depressed, or resentful, don't we? But remember, in our struggles, we have an opportunity to demonstrate joy because of the hope that lives inside. Paul had joy in prison whilst he awaited trial, not knowing if he would live or die. He knew that God's purpose was greater than any problem he could face. Amen. There's a little bit more to go. I'm sorry I'm keeping you a bit longer than normal, aren't I? Thank you. <laughs> foundation of joy, number three, presence. Thirdly, the, the third foundation of joy is presence, God's presence. Rick Warren said about joy that joy is not the absence of suffering, but the presence of God. Maybe that is the secret to Paul's joy. He brought God into every area of his life. Let's do that. Let's bring God into every area of our life and watch. Watch the joy explode within us. The prophet Isaiah uh, reassures us that God is with us in his, in his writing. He prophesied, when you pass through deep waters, I will be with you. Your troubles will not overwhelm you. When you pass through, you will not be burned. The hard trials that come will not hurt you, says the Lord. And that captures Paul's teaching that we have every reason to rejoice because God is with us today. He's with us right now. Nothing can destroy you. Nothing. Nothing. You belong to him. You are his child. Nothing can destroy you. We can truly rejoice because the presence of God is always with us and nothing can overwhelm us now. The psalmist said, you will show me the path to life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. It's a promise. God's joy is a promise. Let's receive it. And foundation number four, practice. Again, borrowing Rick Warren's uh, thoughts, Rick Warren argues that joy is like a muscle. The more it's exercised, the stronger it becomes. He advocates doing these four exercises to increase the joy in your life. Four exercises. The first is to develop an attitude of gratitude. Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. 
Furthermore, this is actually God's will for us to thank him despite our difficult circumstances. That's God's will for your life, that despite what you're going through, you thank him. What can we thank God for this week? We've already shared some things, haven't we? And I'm sure there's so much more. There is so much more to be thankful for. Being thankful produces more joy. Rather than dwelling on what I don't have, dwell on what I do have. That's going to that's gonna make me happier, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, the second is to cultivate joy by giving. Giving. Jesus teaches that more blessed is it to give than it is to receive. Yeah. God does not give grudgingly. So why should we? And we know that God loves a cheerful giver, don't we? We've read that from Corinthians. Being generous produces more joy. It just does. And remember, God gave everything to us when he died on that cross to rescue us. He gave everything. The third is to develop, to develop joy by serving. Jesus taught us that we must lose our life to find it. So we must give ourselves to serving and helping others where we can. When we're busy serving the Lord by helping others, we're too busy to be asking questions like, am I really happy? I don't know if I am, actually. We are promised to be rewarded when we serve others. And being servant-hearted produces more joy. It just does. You take your focus off yourself and you put your love on others. It's going to produce more joy. The fourth is to share Jesus with others. Jesus informed us that there is, there is rejoicing in heaven when a person repents and comes to faith in him and commits their life to him. Imagine the joy you will experience one day when you come face to face with somebody that you helped. When you come face to face with those that you shared the love of Jesus with, imagine the joy you'll experience in that moment. Sharing Jesus produces more joy. Oh, I'm coming into land now. What are we living for? What are we living for? Oh, I just need a minute. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. oh, I'm sorry, I just need a moment. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we're coming into land. All of those uh, exercises that Rick Warren recommends are completely countercultural. Completely. 
our society teaches us to live for yourself or put yourself first. What matters is number one, you. But I would say to that, how can we truly experience joy if all we can do is think about ourselves all the time? We can't. Amen. Jesus shows us the path to joy. If you're feeling a bit sad or miserable, cultivate thankfulness, generosity, servant-heartedness, and share who Jesus is and what he's done for you. How did Paul experience joy? He lived for Christ. And he considered death to be his gain because he'd be united with him. He'd be united with the one that knew him the best but loved him the most. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can have joy in you. Thank you that you love us with your everlasting love. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy to be experienced here, now, today. May we receive all that you have, all the joy you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.